It's time for Crack the Customer Code, the ultimate podcast to help you unlock the secrets to understanding and connecting with your customers. Adam, you know what's often overlooked in the customer journey? Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Payment. Yes. Payment is often overlooked. It's almost treated like something that just, you know, is expected, is just part of something that we shouldn't think about. But if we're looking at designing proactive, positive customer experiences, which we know everybody here is, we need to think about the payment part of your customer's journey. So in this special sponsored episode, we're talking with Greg Lashewski, VP and GM, Global Pay Later Products at PayPal. So first of all, shout out to PayPal for sponsoring Crack the Customer Code. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) And for seeing payment options as part of the customer experience. So we talked to Greg about, you know, all of these different options that are available now and how important it is. But I'm curious, you know, when we look at customer journeys and when we're developing customer journey maps, I have to say a lot of times payment is kind of mentioned <laughs> right yeah it's it's a challenge i think because it's one of those things that you know it's it's a it's a negative indicator in the journey often mm-hmm. right it's when mm-hmm. it goes wrong or when there's a problem that you really see a big impact in the journey it's just one of those things that's supposed to work and customers are supposed to feel safe and secure mm-hmm. when they're using it and those are some of the topics we dig into in this interview with greg That's right. And we also talk about an area that's getting a lot of attention right now around buy now, pay later and different payment options. And, you know, we are uh, we're we're in an era that is still kind of moving so quickly and offering these options to folks when they're feeling a little uncertain about the future, which hello, 2021. Uh, Yes. And so I think it's just a really interesting conversation And I have no doubt that all of our listeners will learn something from this one. Absolutely. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Greg. Greg Lashewski is the VP and GM of Global Pay Later Products at PayPal. In this role, he leads the teams responsible for creating choice and flexibility in when and how consumers pay for purchases over time. Prior to his role at PayPal, Greg was founder and CEO at BlissPay, a point-of-sale financing platform. Greg held operating and leadership roles during 10 years at consumer credit firm MBNA and eight years at the Pay Later Innovator, Bill Me Later, which was acquired by PayPal. Greg has been an innovator in the consumer credit space for 25 years with a focus on the future of the buy now, pay later space. Greg holds a BBA in management information systems from Loyal from Loyola University, (laughs) and an MBA in management from the New York University Stern School of Business. In his spare time, he enjoys spending time with his wife, two daughters, and dog, Roxy. Welcome, Greg. We are so happy to have you here on Crack the Customer Code. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jeannie. It's great to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Hey, Greg. So great to have you. And, you know, it's, it's sort of funny how in like a typical customer journey, a customer becomes a customer when they actually pay for something. But this moment along the journey, it's often overlooked. We, we don't think a lot sometimes about that payment part. So let's talk about that a little bit. What do you think is important about the payment part of the journey uh, you know, from the customer's perspective? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, I, I think ultimately it's that it works and that it was almost not noticeable. 
um, you know, there's there's sort of a joy in shopping, and then it, it kind of comes to a quick halt, uh, particularly in traditional retail, when you get to that moment of paying, uh, even even more so if you have to wait in the line mm. to do so. So I think ultimately it's it's comes down to two fundamental things. It has to just work and be simple for the customer, as unobtrusive as it possibly can be. Just make it almost a non-event. I think I like to talk about Uber in this context. Like Uber sort of took the payment. They solved a lot of things about hailing a cab and getting around. But one of the things I thought from a payment perspective they did was they took the payment out of the experience. It almost, mm-hmm. in some ways, point. can feel like you're not paying for a ride, right? You get in a car, you get to your destination, and you get out. And you don't mm-hmm. even think about the payment part. That's That, to me, is sort of the best example of, of payment, uh, frictionless, invisible, yet, mm-hmm. yet obviously transparent and simple as well. Well, it's an incredible point, too, because it is, you know, it's a part, you don't really think about it. You're always thinking about, oh, we, we've got the app and we can see that. But I remember, you know, I, I still have to do it once in a while because I travel as a speaker, like having to look at the cabbie and say, do you take credit card and like getting them right. to commit, <laughs> right? So they don't, so you don't end up uh, with like, a, you know, getting in the middle of Manhattan and they're like, oh, I only take cash. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a great point. They truly removed one of those pain points using payment. Yeah. And, I yeah, think you know, and the second part to pick on your cab example um, is, is sort of, it has to work and trust is, is I think another important part of it mm-hmm. is, is, you know, I'm, particularly if I'm, you know, in a digital, ever increasing digital or, or non-cash world, you know, I'm handing over something, a credit card number, a credit card, a debit card that I want to make sure is not going to fall into the wrong hands. So the other great thing about the Uber part of it is it removes the the interaction of payment with with a random person you've never met before, um, you know, a cab driver. So it, mm-hmm. I, I totally hear you on the do you take credit cards? And at least uh, in the last few times I had to do it, which is many years ago, it often was a no. Um, you know, you still then had to hand a credit card. You know, some some you know, in the case of cabs, they were still using knuckle busters, so they were taking a physical imprint of your card. You know, <laughs> yeah. just just create a lot of trust concerns. Yeah. Um, so I think I think simplistic and trust are really, uh, really important from well, the journey perspective. I I love how you say it's kind of the best event is a non-event, right? <laughs> right. That's what we we kind of want. It it has to be part of the overall journey, part of the overall experience. And I think the other thing that I am really intrigued by is whenever we talk about any customer journey, a big part of that is about providing choices to customers, is empowering them to have options that they want. And research is showing that a lot of customers are looking for different options around how they pay for things. And so, in fact, the right now, we're in this moment where I think the buy now, pay later, or BNPL, which rolls right off the tongue, um, as the kids say, uh, has grown in in popularity in some pretty big ways. So I know the pandemic, I I assume the pandemic influenced this, but I'm just curious, like, what do you think is driving some of the popularity of BNPL and just, you know, those options that customers are looking for in payment? Yeah, it's a a great question. There's no doubt that pandemic has played an accelerant role in, in the space. So if we rewind, and what's the math right now? So we're in September, right? So 15, 16 months ago, you know, buy now, pay later, you know, the new version of it already had traction and was growing really primarily in millennial and Gen Z segments. And there it was about choice and flexibility and non-traditional credit. Um, 
what the pandemic brought with it was a massive amount of uncertainty for everyone, mm -hmm. right? If you can go back and, uh, you know, I'm sure most of us don't even like to think about it back to March and April and May of last year, you know, we weren't sure what the world was going to be. Was I going to have a job? If I had a job, was I going to get paid? Um, yeah, there was just this all this uncertainty and what buy now pay later did is as people moved on and that moved all the shopping online is it is in a period of uncertainty it, it opened up this this payment option to others who might not have picked it because they didn't they didn't like traditional credit or uh or whatnot but because they really just wanted to manage their cash flow you mm -hmm. know the, these buy now pay later tools are great cash flow management tools and help spread the cost out with uh, you know income streams etc and i think yeah, that was the accelerant, the, the massive shift online with this uncertainty driving to sort of cash flow management um, led led to it broadening beyond Gen Z and millennials. Um, and then you had providers like PayPal enter the space. We suddenly took it out of just fashion and beauty and a few key categories where it started and made it, uh, you know, in our case, you know, our pay and for product available basically everywhere PayPal is, which is nearly everywhere. Mm -hmm. online so we started to open up additional verticals bring it to additional customer segments because obviously we've been around for 20 years so we have you know lots and lots and lots of millennials and gen z customers but we also have lots of gen x and you know all the different demographic segments so mm -hmm. i think all of that led to this you know, massive acceleration not only of online commerce but buy now pay later specifically yeah yeah i think you know paypal is pretty much everywhere so that's a great option and i'm just curious uh I, I want to follow up a little bit about what you said that it can be a great, you know, cash flow management tool. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what is appealing to that for customers? Yeah. So, you know, the ability to, to make a purchase in the hundred or $200 range and turn it into four payments of let's say $50 um, allows people to sort of procure goods or services today that they either need or want and, and, uh, align the payments with their own income streams, you know, every, which traditionally in the U.S. is every couple of weeks, not for everyone, but often um, is for every couple of weeks. And it, it allows um, it allows for that consumer action of like getting a good, but then paying for it along with your income stream. I think I think that's a big part of why these tools are successful and why they've been so massively adopted is it just lines up those two activities Um and then, the, and then another part of it is, particularly on the earlier, you know, the younger segments, it sort of fits right into or builds on top of the subscription lifestyle they've become accustomed to. So mm. you know, you're paying $10 a month for your music. You're paying $15 a month for your content. You might be renting or, or, or in a subscription service for part of your wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And you've sort of managed your expenses around the idea of X per month plus Y per month plus Z per month. And, and now pay later allows you to add in sort of um, either discretionary or non-discretionary, but let's just assume discretionary for a moment, discretionary spend at some level, um, mm -hmm. whether it be $25 every two weeks or $50 every two weeks or $100 every two weeks, um, which is why, you know, we, 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 one of our hypotheses is it's one of the reasons we're seeing such strong reuse. It's not just an episodic purchase, which more traditional financing was, right? I'm buying mm -hmm. a washing machine unexpectedly. I'm financing a vacation. I, you know, the car needs new tires and I wasn't prepared for a $2,000 bill. That's more traditional financing. This is, you know, these, these lower, shorter term programs have become more, um, you know, far more frequently used. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's a lot about cash flow and, and, uh, you know, subscription brought and, together. 
I like how you called it the subscription lifestyle like <laughs> <laughs> because it is. It's like we all get used to these ways that things are being done and suddenly it just is part of your life instead of instead of this big disruption. It's just part of how you kind of go about your days. So I think that's a really great point. Yeah, really, it really is. And uh, we're, no, unfortunately, we're not Gen Z or millennials here at the Customer <laughs> Code, but okay, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jamie. Uh, but yes, we are living the subscription lifestyle. Uh, but it's interesting. It is sort of great timing that we are talking to you today, Greg, because I literally used your product this morning. Uh, and it's going to help me circle back to something you said. So um, I, I, I went to buy something uh, last night. I didn't get it. It went. It was out of stock this morning. So I went to another place to get it. And I didn't want to like set up an account and all that kind of stuff. And it had checkout with PayPal. Boom. <laughs> and all my stuff, it was just easy. And so, you know, you, you end up with that frictionless experience. But there was also this. I, I had immediate trust in it because I've been using PayPal for years and I was able to just click a button and get what I needed and feel confident in the transaction. And you mentioned, you know, we were talking about cabs and that's sort of the uh, extreme of distrust. Um, but, you know, when we talk about the subscription lifestyle, when we talk about online purchasing, uh, trust is a huge issue. And, you know, I know there's a, we saw a stat, uh, well, having 79% of consumers rate trusting their information is secure as a top priority when paying online. So let's dig into the trust part of that equation with online transactions. What do you think merchants and brands can do to earn that trust in the journey? Yeah, well, the first thing they can do is recognize it's important. And I think, and then it's, what do you do about it? And I think part of it is who do you choose to partner with? And, you know, in, in a world where there's a lot of different buy now, pay later solutions sort of have sprung up, um, you know, and the value props are incredibly similar. There's only so many ways to say four payments of $25 or four <laughs> payments of $50. Um, yeah, we think one of our differentiations on that side is in fact, um, you know, the trust that PayPal has built over the last 20 years. Um, and by and by combining that value prop with our mark, um, yeah, we think will appeal to, to consumers and help them pull the shop, help them help pull them through the shopping funnel um, and ultimately drive conversion, which is what you know, the, the one part of the business we're in is helping merchants sell more goods and services. So um, you know, to boil that up, it's, it's pick solutions and partners um, who are going to who are going to bring trust to the overall experience to help drive conversion, um, you know, whether that's in payments or or other parts of, of the experience. Uh, ultimately, if, uh, you know, if you don't if you don't build trust with your consumer, you're not going to have a very long uh healthy lifetime uh, relationship with them. I think that's such a good point because in any customer journey, trust is what is either being built or eroded at any step along the way. And uh, one of the things that I think is interesting to think about here is if we look at the customer journey and we think about somebody, for instance, shopping online, um, they might be looking at a product online and thinking, uh, you know, gosh, I hope they have PayPal at the end. I hope they have buy now, pay later. I hope they have pay in for. But bringing that up to an earlier part of the journey can actually build trust and reassure somebody that the option that you want is available when you want it. So I just think that's another, that's, that's something I'm just observing more and more as I go through digital experiences. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that people are really curious about what payment options are available before they get to that payment page? 
Yeah, and you know, back to how you opened, Jeannie, I think they're they're more it's more curiosity around how much payment flexibility or options am I going to have? It's not, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the staples are going to be there, right? Visa, MasterCard, you know, credit cards, debit cards. Um, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, most often PayPal as well. What what's moving up to the product page is what moved, uh, you know, what moved to the front of furniture stores decades ago, or, you know, for the three of us who remember Sunday circulars and advertisements, you know, what was on every page of a, of a Home Depot, or it still is, in fact, mm -hmm. uh, a circular stuffer. It was the idea that financing was available for these larger purchases. So it's it's all about conveying flexibility and you know, optionality early in the early in the shopping journey, uh, so that so the customers know that they have a way to that they have a way to pay for something that that gives them a greater choice than just deciding debit card A or credit card mm -hmm. uh, B and and to get the you know, maximum value from that, it's letting it's letting your customers know as early in the experience as possible. Your product page is sort of the staple placement for that, but it's often now out of channel. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in Sunday Circulars would have been an example of out of channel in in another era, but now it's <laughs> but now it's you know social channels, um, mm -hmm. loyalty marketing, uh, mm -hmm. things like card abandonment, bounce back emails, any any touch point is. Particularly in certain categories, reinforcing that you, know, you support payment, payment mm -hmm. flex, payment flexibility, and mm -hmm. you know, given our, you know, PayPal, you know, we're trying to build the same awareness on the consumer side. So you know, we love partnering with merchants. We love enabling them to tell their customers early in the journey. Um, but given our ubiquity, we're also telling customers, hey, um, just know that you know, PayPal's there. You're going to have pay later as an option. Mm -hmm. So we're we're approaching it from both from both angles. Mm -hmm. Love that. And as you're. As you're doing that, are you are there different strategies, or are you finding that um, you advise or you know communicate differently if you're uh, working with a small business or a small to medium sized business or and more of an enterprise client? How do you see any differences in those markets as far as how they need to communicate with their customers and maybe how you communicate with them uh, through that? Yeah, Adam. Yeah, really good question. And yeah, one of the nice things, uh, you know, one of the things we pride ourselves on is. You know, we really are focused on democratizing you know, financial services for for both merchants and consumers, and on the merchant side, it's for merchants of all sizes. You know, with over thirty million merchants on our platform, um, from the largest brands to to you know really the backbone of of the economy, the smaller the smaller merchants. We like to bring we like the fact that we sit at a place where we can bring tools to all of those segments, and you know a smaller online retailer has access to the same value propositions that historically, you know, in this, particularly in this, you know, if you move buy now, pay later to point of sale financing, historically have only been available to the largest of brands, mm -hmm. right? It was right. large brands yep. doing partnerships with large banks. Um, and therefore, you know, the Home Depots and the Best Buys uh, of the world had financing programs, but the Main Street hardware store survived, you know, all sorts of consolidation, you know, didn't have an option because they weren't big enough to get the interest of a bank partner, mm -hmm. um, let alone a you know, a million or two million or even a five hundred thousand dollar online business. So, so you know, we make we make the value and the features available to all, and and the tactics apply to your specific question. You know, the tactics of when to tell a consumer about it apply um, the same. It's it's when someone's earlier in the shopping journey, in the consideration phase. You know, they're browsing for a, a new pair of skis. You know, make sure they know that those skis can also be had in in some level of installment. Um, mm -hmm. 
and out of channel as well. So so the scale is different, but the but the tactics are pretty similar. And I I love how you're kind of empowering small businesses in that way to have the same tools as the big guys, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's leveling the playing field. Yeah, for sure. So as as our listeners are are hearing you and thinking about these different options, uh, you know, there there is a lot to think about when we think about payment options, how we present those to customers, the benefits of those. So what's one piece of advice you'd give those leaders listening today? How should they consider this part of the journey? Uh, I'm going to dovetail off the, the part we just had. It's mm-hmm. it's payment flexibility matters long before the paywall. It mm-hmm. matters in the journey. Um, it matters before they're on the site. It matters while it matters while they're on the site while they're browsing. Um, so it really it really is about messaging and making sure consumers are aware that that you, know, you have flexibility through um, through a partnership, uh, mm-hmm. likely through a partnership. Um, yeah, we hope that partnerships PayPal, obviously, but whether it is or isn't, I think messaging payment flexibility. Um, you know, it's really becoming table stakes, uh, mm-hmm. and it was is uh, it was only going to continue to grow. It, it, you know, from everything I can see. Excellent. And now I'm going to ask you to broaden your your viewpoint a little bit to the entire world of customer experience. That's all. <laughs> and when when you think about the future of customer experience, what is one thing you are most excited about? You know, we've been talking for a long time. Uh, you know, those of us in this in this space, I'm sure you have as well, is like the blurring of online and offline. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, I think we're only scratching the surface of how we can have multi-channel experiences at the same time. And you know, one of the f- terms we've been using more recently is this non-linear, non-linear experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is you sort of start you start an experience in one channel, you you pick up seamlessly in another channel. Um, you know, perhaps seconds later, perhaps days later, and mm-hmm. and just how that can continue to evolve in a in a responsible way, in a permissible way. You know, so you have to avoid sort of the tactics that you know, could could uh, you know, cause some. Uh, concern with consumers of, wait a second, how did they quite know that was what I was right. intending to do? <laughs> um, you know, the, the silly story where you hear like, I said the word uh, mattress out loud in my house and suddenly yeah. I was seeing a Casper ad on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> like, is that Alexa listening to me? Like right. what's going on here? Right. Um, so, you know, I think it has to be in a way that doesn't um, freak consumers out. It certainly has to be done in a way that's ethical and with mm-hmm. permission, mm-hmm. but there's so much capability in taking all the greatness of mobile phones and mobile and connected devices and connecting it to physical experiences mm-hmm. in ways that create, you know, Uber like experiences Yeah. Um, for, for folks. So I, I'm excited to see not just where that goes from a payments perspective, but just from a general, you know, to your point, a broad customer experience perspective, you know, yeah. education, entertainment, commerce, mm-hmm. transportation. I, I think, I think we're only just scratching the surface. I know it's going to be interesting to look back on this and other things like in 10 years and see how far we've come because everything's evolving so quickly these days. It's so exciting, but thank you for that. That was great. So th- I I think this is a conversation that we should probably be having more often in customer experience because we, we sometimes treat this like it's not as important as it is. So I think this was really great to dive into today, Greg. Thank you for all the wisdom that you brought. And if our listeners are hearing you and want to reach out and learn more about what we discussed today, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they, they can visit uh, you know, paypal.com 
mm-hmm. slash trust for more information. Or uh, if they want to reach out directly to me, I'll, I'll not not shy about sharing my contact info. So they can go ahead and email gregl at uh, paypal.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. It was really fascinating to talk about this part of the journey. Thanks. It was great chatting. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Thanks, Greg. Uh, take care. You know, one of the things that's interesting that Greg brought up, and I think it's really powerful to think about, is when you communicate this idea of buy now, pay later. Mm-hmm. When in the journey. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about empathy and we talk about putting ourselves in the customer's shoes. And you know, the points Greg brought up about doing that early is exactly that. It's understanding that when they see something that's too expensive for them to buy at once, the customer, right, mm-hmm. that they already know while they're looking at it that there's an option. That's right. That's right. And I think the other thing that that's so important for is just understanding that, yeah, you might be in charge of payment at the organization, but the understanding the entire customer journey and where their headspace is and where their emotional, you know, resonance is on that journey, that's super important because essentially by telling them you have these options for payment, you're reassuring them. You're you're saying to the customer, we know that this is a concern. We know that this is something you might want. And you're addressing that early enough so that they feel reassured and confident to take that next step throughout the journey. And I think that's what this is all about. That's what customer experience is all about. It's about understanding really where your customers are on the journey, what they're actually thinking and feeling and dealing with, and then addressing that throughout the journey instead of treating everything like its own little silo, right? Absolutely. And then as Greg pointed out, understanding where the journey takes place, this idea yeah. of the nonlinear journey, right? The mm-hmm. multi-channel and uh, trying to, you know, we talk, talked a lot in this episode about being, you know, this idea of frictionless, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being frictionless in that part of the journey, uh, what the channel, how the channels are, you know, staffed, trained, and making sure those channels work as seamlessly as possible together for the customer. Yeah, it's it's so true. So we hope this inspired you to think about this part of the journey because digital payment and understanding the payment options that you can offer your customers, that's that's really important in today's world and it's a way to show up for your customers. So thank you for being here. Thank you to Greg for being such a great guest for us. And of course, we're honored that this episode was sponsored by PayPal. So thanks to PayPal as well. Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We appreciate you spending your time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters. You can learn more about me at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam DePork, and you can connect with me at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.